That was loud. Good morning. It is so good to have everybody out here. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, please. Take me down just a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to walk over here. Stop. That's my limit. I've been told, if you wonder why these black tapes are here, that's my limit. So I'm trying to get my bearings here. Just kidding. Just kidding. Hey, it is good to have everybody out. Uh, I'm glad you could be here with us. Um, <clears throat> don't panic. The snow doesn't come until later on today. Um, but we are, it's, it's a pretty sure thing now. Uh, we'll, we'll put it on Facebook to make sure. But the Brazilian service tonight is going to be uh, canceled unless something changes. But I believe we're going to be canceling that. Just waiting to hear from the church up near Boston. Not necessarily because of the storm here, but because they have to drive all the way back. And uh, it's just not, I don't feel comfortable with that. Um, anyway, uh, don't forget, as Aaron already mentioned, we have our annual business meeting afterwards. We've, it's been a while because of sickness, uh, but we have that. If you are not a voting member of the church, you are welcome to sit in. Your vote just doesn't count. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it was getting kind of tense, so I had to calm things down. All right. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the Great Commission, uh, the call that God gave to us, Jesus Christ gave to us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, and then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to go out and evangelize the world, to tell the world about him. And we've been looking at different aspects of that uh, call to us, how it applies to us and what we can do for ourselves to make sure that we are doing all that we've been called to do. Today we're going to be talking about the aspect of sustainability. It's the third one. Take me down just a little bit. I'm getting a little bit of a back echo, if you will. Uh, what we can do as followers of Christ to make sure that we continue to go on. How many of you, how many of you know from experience that the Christian life is nothing but roses and lollipops and iced tea with cheeseburgers, and it's a good time all the time. Nothing bad ever happens, and you never have a struggle. How many of you, because if, if you believe that, I want to know what you're smoking, so you can pass it around, okay? Oh man, I think every one of us that has been saved for more than a week and knows Christ as their Savior can honestly say, this life is tough. This life is difficult. It's a difficult walk to stay faithful to stay energized and to stay excited. It's a difficult way of life to continue in and continue to be faithful and continue to be faithful in service. If you think you recognize this scooter, you do. Okay? All right? Yes. Farewell, friend. It was an... Anyway... Um, but it is a it's a difficult life, man. There's no doubt about it. Following Jesus Christ is, it's one of, the, I believe it's the most rewarding walk that you'll ever have, the, the most rewarding investment you will ever make with your life. But it's also, I believe, the most difficult. Because walking with Christ and taking everything we learn from the Word of God, taking the principles that the Bible teaches us as individuals, 
and weaving them throughout every aspect of our life. You see, the goal as a follower of Christ is not simply to be faithful on Sunday morning. The goal as a follower of Christ is to be faithful every minute of every day. Is to live a life that is passionate about the things of God. And even when things are difficult, even when things are tough, even when things just don't go your way, let's put it nicely there, they just don't go your way, to continue to stay faithful. That's not easy. It's very, very difficult. So this morning, as we look at the aspect of the Great Commission, which is the call that every one of us has on our life, the call to evangelize, we want to look at the area of sustainability. Now, Ravi Zacharias, who is one of my favorite uh, authors and speakers, uh, if, you, if you've never listened to Ravi Zacharias preach uh, or teach, give a talk, um, you can look him up online. The man is brilliant. And uh, he's, he's just very pointed and, and deep. He said this, which is not really a deep thought, but it's a very important thought. Beginning well is a momentary thing. Finishing well is a lifelong thing. Beginning well is a moment. Listen, you, you accept Christ as your Savior. I remember when I was in Bible college way back in the early, or, yeah, the early 80s, uh, the first time I went. Uh, evangelists would come through and speak at chapel, and they'd always come up and, you know, you, you accept Christ, and you get so charged up and so fired up about being saved that you want to charge hell with a squirt gun, Right? You get so excited, and it's an exciting time to be. Listen, man, you go to a concert, right? We've got concerts coming up here in our area now all the time. You go to and listen to a good Christian concert, you get fired up. You just get lifted up higher than you ever thought you could be. And it's exciting, and you're ready to go, and you're ready to, to, to really, uh, really just do something special for Jesus Christ, do something amazing to just turn the world on fire. And then you go home. And the dishes still need to be done. And the dogs are going crazy if you have dogs. Your kids annoy you to no end. Your spouse is not. One of the hardest things about being married to a, in, in, a, in a believing household, and I'm, this is it. Now, I was just being funny there if you didn't know. But now, this is serious. One of the hardest things about being in a married Christian household as the husband and wife is this, when one is high on a spiritual high and the other isn't. When you are on two different levels spiritually, when you are, one is very excited and passionate and ready to go and the other is in a valley, it's a very difficult time to stay firm and to stay strong and to continue moving forward and to be excited. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is our text for this part of this uh, message on the aspects of the Great Commission. We're going to read reading from verse, beginning of verse 24. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. That's difficult right there. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. The Great Commission is a lifetime call. It's not a one and done event. Because of that fact, the aspect of our call that we will be talking about today is perhaps the most important 
as well as the most difficult part of the call to put into play. I believe this is incredibly important, incredibly important that we understand how to sustain a life for Jesus Christ. Through the good times and the bad, through the highs and through the lows, we need to be able to sustain that walk with Christ. In our text, Paul compares our Christian life to a race that is to be run and to be run well, a race that requires discipline and sacrifice, that most of all requires the will to win and the will to finish well. He tells us that while we spend time investing our lives in others, we need to make sure that we invest in ourselves as well because the greatest tragedy of a Christian life would be to teach others how to live and be successful but personally fall short and be found to not have followed the rules, right? One of the, I, I'm, I love sports. I love, I, I love sports. That's why when Paul writes about athletics, it, uh, it's something that I, I like to read and grab onto. One of the most disappointing times for me, I'm a huge Dodgers fan, if you didn't know. Huge Dodgers fan. Several years ago, we signed a guy that played a little, did a little time in Boston. His name was Manny Ramirez. Remember when Manny was being Manny in Boston? Well, we signed Manny Ramirez and we brought him to Los Angeles. And as soon as we brought him to LA, man, the Dodgers took off. And we went on a historic run. I'm sorry, correct English would be, we won, went on an historic run. Right? always want to be proper. We, we went like 54 and five. In baseball, that's pretty amazing, okay? And we won our division and went into the playoffs and lost in the playoffs. It was awesome. It was just awesome. It was a great season. And for somebody who absolutely loves baseball the way I do, it was incredible to spend my summer and then going into the fall following that kind of, a, that kind of an amazing streak. After the World Series, a little time after the season was over, the word came out. Manny Ramirez tested positive for steroids. Person, me, listen, I know you younger generation, people 35 and under, you don't think it's a big deal because you still have to hit the ball with the bat. I'll, listen, anybody, anybody who goes to a gym and works out knows the difference between somebody who works out on their own naturally and somebody who does steroids. An enormous difference enormous. If you don't think steroids give you an incredible edge, you just don't know what you're talking about, okay? It's unbelievable what they'll do for you. As a fan of the Dodgers, seriously, now you may think this is over the top, you may think this doesn't, this is, this is too much, um, but it's something I'm passionate about. I count that as a lost season. It, that one I don't, even, I don't even count in the books. You know why? Because the guy that got it all going for us, the guy that was the catalyst, the guy that was the engine that made the, the, the Dodgers bus go, cheated. He cheated. There's no, way, there's no nice way to say it. There's no other way to say it except that this, he cheated. I'm sorry. One of the great things, <clears throat> my, my father, my earliest memory um, with my dad and my big brother David, was being out in the backyard stationed, we were still living, I think it was Forestall Village in Illinois, right? Great Lakes, my dad was stationed at Great Lakes Naval Training Center in Illinois. 
And uh, we were in the backyard uh, in Forestall Village. And my dad and my brother were having a catch. And I came out. And I, I was like four years old, four or five years old. And we started throwing a baseball around. Baseball was big for me, my dad, and my brother. It was a, it was a unifying thing. Of course, my brother thought he was going to be cool and he was going to burn my hand off. So my brother threw fastballs, and my dad wasn't much better because my dad was like, you need to learn how to catch this. So, okay, dad, thank you, thank you. I have arthritis in this hand now because of that. Uh, just kidding. Um, yeah. But... Um, I, I absolutely, it's a passion, and it's something that brought me together with my father and my brother. Greatest memories of childhood, hitting a grand slam uh, under the lights in Elkton, Maryland. My parents were in the stands. It was awesome. It was awesome. Baseball is a big deal for me and my family. It was a, a unifying thing for us. Well, I've got two seven-year-old boys now, and they love baseball. We go out and we throw the baseball around. We have a pitch back sitting in our yard. They love to hit the ball. They played their first year last year. It's great. My boys love the Dodgers. I don't know why. It's just a genetic thing, I think. Okay? Um, it's brainwashing is what it is. But um, <clears throat> The first jersey we bought for Gabriel and Michael was Jackie Robinson. Dodgers were the first team to break the color barrier in Major League Baseball. That's one of the reasons I love them. The Rams, by the way, were the first team in the NFL to break the color barrier, just so you know, my favorite team. Um, but we bought them a Jackie Robinson jersey. Why? Because Jackie Robinson was a man of character and integrity. And when I find people uh, that I want to put in front of my boys as examples to lift up and say, these are the kind of qualities you want to have in your life. These are the kind of things you want in your life and you want to follow. I want people of character. Let me be honest with you. I'll never buy him a Manny Ramirez jersey because he's not a man of character. He's a cheat. That's what Paul is saying. Took all that time to bring it down to this. That's what Paul is saying. The tragedy of the Christian life is this. You talk a big game. You, you go to church and you act like a real Christian. But the tragedy is this. You preach to others, you teach to others, you tell everybody else how great it is to be a Christian, but it all comes down to brass tacks. You're nothing but a cheat because you didn't do what you were told. You didn't follow Jesus Christ faithfully. You gave up, you quit. You couldn't handle it. When it came down to it, you walked away. That's what Paul said he feared most. In my life, the greatest fear is that after I've taught everybody how to live, after I've done everything I'm supposed to, when it all comes down to it, I come to find out that I did not do the right things. And I cheated the game. I cheated the, my walk with Jesus Christ. And it really wasn't as deep as I said it was. It really wasn't as passionate as I said it was. I really wasn't as fired up. I really wasn't the person that I put out in front of you. Next week, by the way, we'll be talking about transparency. It's the fourth aspect. How are you going to be an effective uh, minister of the Great Commission by being transparent. Anyway, that's if we get finished with this one today. Now, let me take a little side note here and say this. I understand that the first few weeks of this sermon have been pretty heavy. I get that. Understanding, getting a grasp on the fact that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him, Understanding that that is the biblical teaching, 
that we stand on. And if you're a born-again Christian, that's what you need to stand on, that there is no other way. Works won't get you there. A church won't get you there. Nothing will get you there. Standing alone on the, t- on the Word of God and understanding that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, boy, that's tough to accept, especially when our family and friends don't agree. Because what we're saying is, if they don't accept Christ, the alternative is eternity in hell. I know that's not fun to think about. And I know that's not the way many, many around here were raised. And I also know that that's not popular today because everybody wants to talk about all roads lead to heaven and eventually love wins and all this. That's just not what the Bible teaches. So I understand it's been heavy, it's been difficult, but it's foundational truth. And the foundation of any life, belief, or church must be the strongest, heaviest, most stable part. Your foundation in your faith must be the strongest part of your faith. Praise and worship is awesome, man. We have a, we have a great praise and worship team. We really do. We're all, they're always keeping on top of things. They're doing more and more. And uh, they do a great job. And praise and worship is awesome. I love Christian music. All these things are wonderful. But unless we understand that the word of God, the truth of the word of God is the foundation of our faith and belief in that and understanding the foundational truth that Jesus Christ died for everybody and that's what we need to get to heaven. If that's not your strong foundation, then your life is upside down and eventually it's going to tip over. The foundation is what we build on. Not only our faith, but also our lives as followers of Jesus. It's what we go back to when we have questions. It's what sustains us when we're in need or despair. And it's what grounds us when our faith itself is attacked. Your foundation is vitally important. So what? So after saying all that, after saying all that, so what? What's the big idea? My, uh, one of my preaching professors in college said that. He said, any good message answers the question, so what? So this morning, I'm going to give you the so what. So what? So what's the big deal? How do we build a foundation and continue to run the race effectively in spite of setbacks and attacks? You know, we've had, this has been a brutal winter, health-wise, hasn't it? Anybody not have a member of their family get sick this year? I mean, this has been brutal been a brutal one and it's hit our church especially hard that man it gets to it gets discouraged and some of you are probably molly sunshine when you get sick but after after a while man it gets old doesn't it it gets very very old and you start to question things you start to get angry and irritable so how do you build a foundation of faith that goes through even those times when you want so desperately to be effective, but you can't because of your health, because of your situation, because of your work, whatever it may be, by developing sustainability in your faith. Very simple. That's the so what. How do you do that? By developing sustainability. That is the the ability to endure. Endurance in your faith. Endurance in your life, the ability to continue on in spite of whatever is happening in your life. Young lady that, um, when we used to have a school here years ago, when my father was the pastor, my mom taught there. Uh, Jeremy is a graduate of that of that school, right? Uh, 
young lady that went to school here. Her name was Rayanne Romero back then. Um, she's a, her, she lives up in the hill towns and goes to a small country church out there. She's a Sunday school teacher. Her husband helped build the church. It was, at, you know, they're very faithful there, very faithful members. Well, over winter break, her husband was out snowmobiling. They have three kids. I think they're like seven, nine, and 11, or seven, nine, and 13, something like that. And while her husband was out with his friends, he lost control of a snowmobile and hit a tree and died. And I went and saw, I went to the wake and I went to the funeral and I talked with her and it was amazing. Amazing to see the faith of a follower of Jesus sustain them through what is, I don't know anything more horrific than to lose the love of your life in an instant and be left behind to raise a family. But her faith is sustaining her through all this. Man, that is what we're talking about. The kind of faith that can endure the tragedies, that can endure the struggles, that can endure the mountaintops and can take you wherever you need to go. This morning I want to look at four steps that we can take in our lives to build a life of faith that will last and endure those tough times. The first thing you need to do, the first step you need to take is this. You need to find truth and avoid lies. Find truth and avoid lies. Lies are all over today. We live in the internet age, and I think it's going to catch on eventually. That internet thing. (laughs) Maybe. Okay? Can I just say this honestly? You can't believe what you read online. You just can't. You can't even, oh, you can't even believe what you see on Facebook. Right? Got to stay within the box. <laughs> you can't believe, I, I know, I know this one, the, the young generation, um, it's, things aren't official until it's Facebook official. Right? It's got to <laughs> got to be Facebook official before it's official. But let me tell you, there, are, there is so much garbage out there, and it's disguised as truth. We can't even believe the people that we've elected to represent us in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Sorry to bust your bubble. Either side or the middle, you just can't believe people. Why? Because all they want to do is get reelected and make that salary that keeps them in the top 10% of earners in America. But I digress. Get out the stuff I shouldn't be on. Okay? What can you believe? You can believe the word of God. But wait a minute. Pastor John, I found this amazing website that tells me this. Okay? Does it agree with the word of God? Well, maybe, you know, <laughs> Pastor John, come on, seriously. Seriously. Now, God has given special wisdom and dispensation to individuals today. Okay, let's go back to the beginning. Does it agree with the word of God? That has got to be your standard. We talk about foundation, right? We're talking about foundation that you could build your life on. A foundation that will move forward. But wait a minute, Pastor John. They, it, I feel so good. I, it, you can't trust your feelings. See, today we want to go from, from experience to experience rather than from faith to faith. 
You have got to find truth. Find truth and avoid lies. How do you find truth? You get into the word of God. You get into the word of God. But I've got great books about the Bible. Doesn't matter. Is it the Bible? Is the 66 books that God gave in the canon of the word of God? Is it contained in there? That's your foundation for your faith. It's got to be. If you're going to commit your life to following Jesus, then you need to know that you're, what you're serving and why. You need to know the truth that you stand in and that you claim to believe. If you don't know what you believe or don't accept it as the truth, then you will simply be double-minded and be tossed around with every new belief system that comes along. That's just the facts, folks. Well, that sounds pretty harsh, I know. But it's true. If you don't stand on the scriptures and accept the word of God as it is the word of God, the truth, then you're just going to be swept around and tossed around by everything that comes down the road. The new, it's even in our commercials now, they talk about the universe. The universe. I send it out to the universe. Come on. Don't you realize, seriously, Emma, Emma has a master's in oceanography or something like that, right? She, she likes fish and, <laughs> and, and, coral, and coral reefs, right? Seriously. I'm trying not, to, trying not to be condescending here. But do you not understand, when you say the universe, you are making our case for intelligent design? Do you not get that? Because when you say the universe is doing this and the universe is doing that, what you're saying is there is a controlling force that oversees everything that happens in the universe. Oh, that's not what I mean. But that's what you said. See, you don't stand on truth. You have no truth of foundation. That's why, that way you can go wherever you want and not have to take a stand in life. As Christians, we don't have that luxury if we're going to be people who live the Great Commission. If we're going to sustain a faith, we cannot bounce from feeling to feeling, from thought to thought, from new age to new age to new age. If we're going to be believers who stand firmly on the word of God and show people Jesus Christ and his love, then we have got to stand firmly on the foundation of truth. You must find truth and avoid lies. Find real truth. Not opinion or conjecture. I was raised as my fa- with my father as my pastor for most of my, most of my uh, formative childhood years. And my dad used to say it over and over and over again. Cliff and Sue can validate this. Over and over and over again. Don't take my word for it. Check it out in the word of God. Amen. Don't take my word. I am just a man. And I would say this. I would echo my father. I'm just a man. Don't take my word for it. Get into the Bible and find it for yourself. When Erin first started attending church here, it's before we even started dating, she was a new believer and she, was, she came here and she was skeptical, right? And she w- I was teaching a Bible study at that time uh, on Sunday mornings and she would ask questions and I was like, good one, yeah, okay, whatever. And I'd, I'd give her the answer, and she would take copious notes. 
That means a lot. I mean, she was, she, I found her notebook a while back and she had notes upon notes upon notes, right? And she said, I was going, I, I was going home and I was looking at my Bible and I was going to prove you wrong. Right? That's good. That's good. And now she is a, a mature Christian who helps minister to other people and reaches out and understands her responsibility. That's what you, listen, don't take my word for it. Find it out for yourself. Prove it for yourself in your life. That's how the truth is going to be the foundation of your faith. Augustine said, where I found truth, there I found my God, who is the truth itself. Chuck Colson says, the Bible's truth rests upon the fact that it is the reliable, errorless, and infallible word of God. And Origen, one of the early church fathers, said, Now the true soldiers of Christ must, also, must always be prepared to do battle for the truth and must never, so far as lies within them, allow false convictions to creep in. How do you do that? How do you stand on truth all the time? Listen, I'm not saying you're going to be right all the time. I'm not saying you're never going to fall. You're never going to struggle. What I'm saying is when you do fall, when you do struggle, when you do fight and win, you're always struggling, falling, fighting, winning, standing on a firm foundation of truth. That is what will sustain you during this life. This is not an easy time to be a believer and a follower of Christ. It's an exciting time, man. It's an exciting time to see the signs of the times out there, to see uh, we're, we're seeing prophecy fulfilled in our lifetime. It's exciting, but it's not an easy time because every time you turn on a news program, somebody's mocking what we believe. But it's worth it to stand for Jesus Christ. Why? Because we, are, we have been given the great commission and we are called to reach those people out there with the gospel, the good news, the message of the love of Jesus Christ. You need a strong foundation and you need to find truth and avoid lies. Finding truth will change your life. It will set you free from any chain or bondage. John 8, verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Those are the words of Jesus. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You're, you may be here this morning and you are being held back in your life and your walk with Jesus Christ and you're struggling with your past. You're struggling with what's happened to you. You're struggling with what you did. Some of you are struggling with the way you were raised and the way you were raised in church and you went, through, uh, you went through church abuse because the church that led you, the church that taught you didn't even stand for what it believed. And people in the church did things that they shouldn't have ever done. And some of you have unforgiveness in your heart and bitterness and anger that is deserved from a human perspective, no doubt about it. From a human perspective, people that did some of the things to you and your friends and your family that those people did, from a human perspective, deserve your disdain. But we are not, we are not called to see through human eyes. We're called to see through the eyes of Jesus Christ. We're called to see through eyes of love and compassion. And that's what's supposed to make the difference. Finding truth will change your life because it will free you from any bondage and any chain that holds you back. Jesus himself said that. 
When you get that, when you understand the truth of the word of God and it's foundational, then it's never a question again. Because it is what you stand firmly on. It will free you from any chain and any bondage. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 23, 23, to buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. I find it very, very important to understand that the wisest man that God ever gave wisdom to in the history of the world says the most important thing for you to get in your life is the truth. Buy it. Sell everything you have to get the truth. Find the truth. Know and understand the truth. Get the truth in your life. And once you get it, don't sell it. Don't sell it. Don't give it up. Don't give it away. Don't get rid of it. Hold on to it as if it's the most precious thing in the world. Listen, Jesus Christ giving you eternal life, if you've accepted him as your savior, that is the pearl of great price. That is the greatest, greatest possession, if you will, that you have. In your walk with Jesus Christ, the number one thing you you need to have is truth. Buy the truth. Don't sell it. When you get it, you hang on to it. Because it's going to be attacked. It's going to be assailed. People are going to try to rip it away from you. People are going to mock you for for standing that way. They're going to try to make you feel less than who you are. They're going to try to make you feel inferior. They're going to try to make you feel stupid. That's their insecurity talking, by the way. Because you have the truth. And the truth can and perhaps has set you free. Man, if I had all day, I could testify about the way the truth has set me free. How I've had areas of my life that I, that, that I hung, that, that, that hung on to me, that clung to me, like those, those things in the summertime that uh, get onto your socks, the little black things with the two prongs, you know what I'm talking about? And you have to try to pull them off, and it's crazy, you might as well just throw the socks away because it's a... <laughs> And then, God forbid, you put them in the wash and your wife then yells at you because they got over everything else. (laughs) Listen, man. I could tell you all day how the truth has set me free. And we could pass the microphone around and people could testify about how the truth has set them free and what what it has released them from in their lives. It can happen to you. Jesus Christ is the truth and he wants to set you free. He wants to be your truth and your foundation. The truth is your very best witness. The truth is your very best witness. When it comes to living a life for Jesus Christ, when you speak to others and you tell others about your church, when you tell them how great it is, That is simply words, right? All we're doing is talking. We talk and we talk and we talk and we talk. The truth being your best witness means this. All that talk is backed up by a godly walk. You walk what you talk and you talk what you walk. And you live in front of people the way Jesus Christ wants you to live. And you live honestly. Not perfectly because you'll never do that. 
but you live honestly before Jesus Christ. We're working on our boys right now. I've said this before. Working with them right now, being true, they're seven years old and there's two of them. So they've got a built-in excuse, right? They've got a built-in blame buddy. Michael did it. Michael did it. And they both want to take credit. They, want to, they went sledding with um, Bob and Chrissy Fisher's boys uh, last couple days on the golf course. And um, one of them left my hat out, one of my hats out there. And they were blaming each other. Right? Blaming each other. Like, guys, I don't care. Just, you know, I've got enough hats. But when we go back out there, we'll try to find it. Well, they found it yesterday. Now, yet, day before, they were blaming each other. Right? Today, they're both taking credit. Right? I found your hat, Dad. Well, no, Daddy, I found the hat. Well, we both dug for it. <sighs> hey, guys, thanks for the hat. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. But we're trying to teach our boys this. Character matters. Integrity matters. Telling the truth matters. Why? Because the truth is your very best witness. The truth is your very best witness. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, you can talk all you want about what you believe and how you believe and how faithful you are and how much you love your church. And oh my goodness, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's like heaven on earth. Oh, it's great. Oh my Gosh, we have donuts. <laughs> right? You can say all that and then go out and blow it in one day living out there in a way that you just testified that you don't live. You see, the truth is your very best witness. And we are going to end with this verse. We'll finish this next week. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 24. Elijah, prophet of God had a reputation of being a man of God. People knew him to be the prophet. But listen to what this woman said to him. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God, and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. Now I know, because the way you've lived in front of me, what you've represented in front of me, backs up what you've said. You have lived what you've preached to me. You have lived what you've proclaimed. You have lived what you've taught. You have lived what you said. You have lived what you claim. The truth is your very best witness. Why do you need to have truth as a foundation of your life? The truth of the word of God? Because man, it is the very best witness out there to this world. Living what you say you believe. Showing to them exactly what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Every minute of every day even when you fail. Why? Because you own your mistakes and you apologize for your wrongdoing. And you get up, brush yourself off, and keep moving down the road. Because that's what faithful Christians do who are founded on the foundation of the truth of the Word of God. Sustainability. Sustainability. Sometimes it's difficult to go from Sunday to Sunday, isn't it? So tough to go from Sunday to Sunday. Because you got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in between. Man, it's so difficult. So difficult. How do you get from Sunday to Sunday by making Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday count for Jesus Christ by standing on the truth and the foundation of the Word of God? Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house today.
for the privilege of being able to call you Savior, for the privilege of being able to offer to you worship and praise from hearts of gratitude and love. Thank you for the privilege of being able to be here today, Father, even though we've had struggles throughout the week. Thank you for those who have been away from us because of sickness being back here today. Thank you for our new friends that we've met. God, thank you for all you've done. Lord, sometimes we forget about that. We forget why we need to be thankful and we're overwhelmed by the things of life that, that make us see the storm instead of the one who can calm the storm. God, would you calm our spirits right now? And will you help us to realize as individuals and as a church that we have a foundation that we can build our lives on. We can be sustained from Sunday to Sunday if we'll just place our faith and trust in your truth, if we'll buy the truth and not sell it. God, now the hard part comes. This has been a great morning. But now we go out into a world that doesn't necessarily believe what we believe a world that we're called to love and to live in and to execute your word in. Give us courage. Give us faith. Give us strength. Give us compassion and love so that we might face this world as conquerors because of you, not because of our own works, but because of you. Bless us, Lord. May we go forward as worshipers. May we walk through every open door knowing that there's a purpose behind it. Thank you, Lord. Bless us and dismiss us with your blessing. In your name we pray. Amen.